Exploring the Development of Adaptive Expertise Through the Lens of Threshold Concepts. Authors Edwin Betnell, Sue Murphy, and Dr. Glenn Regeer. Abstract. Introduction. While clinical expert practice requires a flexible approach to problem solving, evidence shows that medical clerks tend to focus on knowledge acquisition as a key to expertise. It is not until residency training that learners shift their understanding of expertise towards developing adaptive approaches to clinical problems. This raises the possibility that adaptive expertise is a threshold concept and that authentic clinical experiences involving complex problem solving are required to create the liminal state that enables transformation to an adaptive expertise mindset. With this possibility in mind, the current study examined the conceptualization of expertise held by recently graduated physical therapists using the framework of threshold concepts as a sensitizing lens. Methods, an exploratory qualitative study in the constructivist grounded theory tradition was conducted utilizing 14 one-on-one semi-structured interviews with recently graduated physical therapists. Results, most participants were in a transitional state regarding the conceptualization of expertise, sometimes focusing on the acquisition of knowledge and routinization of practice as their hallmark of expertise, and at other times, acknowledging the need for developing more dynamic and adaptive problem-solving approaches to patient care. These mixed responses were expressed not only in their framing of patient management, but also in their reasons for valuing colleagues and in their approach to continuing professional development. Notably, many participants suggested that the interview itself was a key impetus to their reflecting on these issues. Conclusion Our findings suggest that participants were only beginning to transition into an adaptive expertise mindset upon entering practice, reinforcing the possibility that authentic practice may be an important impetus for recognizing the limits of routine expertise. However, spontaneous comments from participants suggest that this transition might be better supported through active guided reflection in addition to meaningful clinical engagement with patients and colleagues. Section 1. Introduction. Creative problem solving in the face of complex and uncertain clinical situations is an essential component of clinical expertise. Developing the ability to expand viewpoints and consider multiple perspectives on a problem can provide a clinician with a more effective framework for addressing such complex situations. This ability to let go of previously held assumptions and approaches and to respond flexibly to novel situations is a hallmark of what Hitano and Inagaki labeled adaptive expertise. The adaptive expertise framework focuses on the mindset required to enable and support a flexible approach to problem solving as a key competency of expert practice. In this sense, it is an important complement to more traditional frameworks of clinical reasoning that emphasize the knowledge base and cognitive structures that support expert diagnostic and decision-making processes. It also complements the models of deliberate practice that emphasize the mastery of existing knowledge and techniques. It has been suggested that the development of adaptive expertise is an approach to practice that must be instilled in learners early in training. Gormley and Fenwick have similarly advocated for an early focus on developing strategies to manage the dynamic complexities of multidimensional clinical scenarios rather than focusing on the memorization of protocols. Consistent with this suggestion, curricula across the health professions have long emphasized the development of clinical reasoning and problem-solving skills. Despite these efforts, however, educators frequently express concerns that students are more focused on acquiring factual content rather than developing a variety of clinical approaches, and that they persistently attempt to impose certainty on inherently uncertain clinical situations. In this sense, it appears that while educators purport to be trying to instill adaptive expertise, health professional students appear to be striving towards the development of what Hatano and Inagaki described as routine expertise.
knowledge-based procedural skills highlighted by effectiveness and efficiency in stable environments. In part, this learner focus on acquiring knowledge and seeking certainty in clinical practice may be a function of both the formal and hidden curriculum in which learners are immersed. Current assessments, for example, often test memorizable knowledge, with little focus on flexible use of that knowledge or on preparedness for continued learning. However, it is also possible that the goal of striving towards adaptive expertise is a mindset that may function like an educational threshold concept. A threshold concept is a particular way of understanding or interpreting the world around us that is conceptually challenging to grasp, but once grasped, radically transforms the individual's perception of the world and the relationship with the subject. It is a core property of threshold concepts that they are not merely transmitted as information from a teacher to a learner, but must be discovered by the learner through transformative experiences that challenge their current ways of knowing, what Meyer and Land describe as troublesome knowledge. Evidence for the speculation that striving towards adaptive expertise rather than routine expertise might be a threshold concept for learners can be gleaned from a pair of studies conducted by Milopoulos et al. In one study, they found that clinical clerks in the third and fourth year of their undergraduate medical training espoused an answer-filled model of expertise, which drove them towards acquiring knowledge and the ability to apply it correctly. However, by residency, learners were demonstrating a recognition that the ability to engage in both routine and non-routine problem solving was an essential element of expert practice. This shift in perception suggests that experience with the complexities of clinical practice may alter how clinicians perceive the nature of expertise. This is consistent with Perkins' suggestion that learners experience a discrepancy between the routinized interactions in which they are engaged during highly structured experiences of the classroom and the qualitatively distinct presentations of authentic scenarios in the naturalistic setting. Perhaps this troublesome discrepancy functions as the catalyst for learners to evolve the threshold concept of adaptive expertise. Unfortunately, we could find no research exploring why this might occur in residency rather than in clerkship. Thus, it is difficult to speculate whether the conditions that evoke this appreciation of adaptive expertise as a learning goal might exist in other professional training programs, which, unlike medical training programs with their extended residency experiences, may have fewer opportunities for meaningful ownership of patient problems, a sense of ultimate responsibility for the patient's care, and therefore fewer opportunities to be faced with the troublesome limitations of knowledge alone in dealing with patient problems. This raises the question of whether these health professional students are exposed to experiences and learning environments that might enable development of an adaptive expertise mindset prior to their transition to independent practice. Thus, this study examined graduating physical therapists' understanding of what it is to be an expert clinician in order to explore whether they demonstrate a shift towards adaptive expertise as a goal for clinical practice. The implications could assist in developing considerations for a responsive curriculum supporting the formation of this mindset and could further our understanding of whether the adaptive expertise mindset can be helpfully understood as a threshold concept. Section 2. Methods. We conducted an exploratory qualitative study in the constructivist ground theory tradition, utilizing one-on-one -on -one semi-structured interviews as the data source. Semi-structured interviews were selected as a data collection process because our intention was to glean individual personal perspectives and understandings of our phenomenon of interest rather than, for example, the negotiated and co-produced understanding that might arise from focus groups. Section 2.1 Setting The University of British Columbia Master in Physical Therapy, UBC MPT, is a 26-month training program. 
In order to be eligible to apply for the program, students must have a recognized four-year bachelor's degree, meet academic prerequisite requirements, and have previous volunteer experience in a healthcare environment. Thus, the majority of students in the program are between 24 and 26 years of age. The UBC MPT program includes, among other coursework, a series of four progressive courses relevant to clinical practice covering topics that include professionalism, evidence-informed practice, teaching and learning in clinical practice, ethical decision-making, and leadership. Reflective assignments and case-based assessments are also incorporated and intended to further support the development of clinical skills in these areas. During the second month of the program, students experience four four-hour shadow placements where they are placed in clinical environments to observe clinical practice and, depending on the setting, may obtain preliminary hands-on experiences. Over the remaining 24 months, students participate in six clinical placement, each five weeks in duration, distributed through the program totaling 1,080 hours of clinical experience in a variety of clinical contexts. Over the series of six placements, students progress from an initial observation role to carrying their own caseload under minimal supervision. Section 2.2 participants. We chose to target recently graduated physical therapy students as our population for the study. We anticipated that this group would have had their full educational experience but relatively little experience as independent practitioners. All members of University of British Columbia Department of Physical Therapy graduating class of 2020, i.e. those who had graduated within three to six months of the data collection period, were eligible for participation in the study. Section 2.3 Procedure Following approval from the UBC Behavioral Research Ethics Board, UBC BREB, participants were recruited for a 60-minute semi-structured interview. Recruitment was conducted via email through the class social media email addresses managed by members of the class to the entire graduating class explaining the broad purpose of the study and asking those interested in participating to contact the principal investigator directly via email. Recruitment continued until the data was deemed to have achieved theoretical sufficiency with regard to our research question resulting in 14 interviews in total. Each interview was conducted by the principal investigator, first author. Interviews were recorded, transcribed, and anonymized prior to sharing with the full research team for analysis. The initial set of questions for early interviews is presented in Appendix S1. However, in keeping with the constructivist grounded theory tradition, the interview questions evolved in response to our developing understanding of the phenomenon under study, focusing increasingly on the three themes elaborated in our results. Data analysis was conducted in the tradition of constructivist grounded theory. The analysis was recursive and iterative with emerging findings informing and directing further data collection. After the first three interviews, the transcripts were reviewed by the principal investigator to develop preliminary codes and tentative ideas about categories and the relationships between them. This analysis was brought to other members of the research team for discussion, clarification, and refinement. Based on this analysis of the first three interviews, adjustments were made to the content of the subsequent interviews in order to better understand the developing themes and pertinent ideas constructed in the preliminary analysis. This process continued as additional interview transcript data were gathered, leading to the generation of a codebook whose coding structure could be applied to subsequent gathered data. This process of adjustment and refinement continued throughout the interviewing period. In the development of themes from the codes, the findings of Mylopoulos et al were used as sensitizing concepts. Thus, while the analysis was largely inductive, drawing inferences from the data and developing categories and themes with the goal of generating new theoretical insights, it also had a deductive aspect, exploring the extent to which the data mirrored the clerkship and or residency findings of Mylopoulos et al. 
Section 2.5, Rigor. Study rigor was maintained through a process of researcher triangulation. EB, the principal investigator, is a community-based physical therapist with experience supervising PT students and mentoring and supervising recently graduated PTs in the context of a private practice. SM is head of the department of PT at UBC and longstanding faculty member in the department who has been responsible for teaching courses on professionalism and clinical reasoning. GR is a PhD trained researcher who has been conducting research in the area of health professions education for over 25 years with a focus on expert practice and the development of expertise. These three perspectives in the analysis and in team discussions provided ample opportunity for ongoing reflexivity with regards to how each perspective was informing and shaping the construction and interpretations, codes and themes. EB documented all group meetings and personal reflexive activities throughout the study, both to enhance reflexivity and to ensure an effective audit trail. These notes were shared with the entire research team for further discussion and consideration in the ongoing analysis and interpretation of the findings. Section 3. Results. Our analysis suggested that recently graduated physical therapists were demonstrating elements of both routine and adaptive perspectives in describing the conceptualization of expert practice. Although there were examples of individuals who exemplified polar positions of adaptive or routine expertise, the vast majority of participants appeared to oscillate in their conceptions of expertise and its evolution, sometimes expressing perspectives more compatible with routine expertise and at other times describing a framing that was more compatible with adaptive expertise. Through our data analysis, we identified three major themes related to expert practice and its development in participants' descriptions. One, approaches to managing the limits of their knowledge for addressing patient problems, two, how human resources were utilized to address uncertainty, and three, how participants planned to approach the development of their own expertise. In addition to these three themes related to expertise, participants regularly describe the extent to which the interviews help them explore their assumptions about the construct of expertise, leading them to some real-time discoveries. Thus, we identified learning from the interview as a fourth theme in the data. Section 3.1, Managing the Limits of Knowledge. The theme of addressing patient problems incorporated how students related to the limits of their knowledge and their expectations of how experts develop clinically throughout their career. The participants had a mixed view of how future problems would be addressed as they moved towards expertise. The routinization of practice was expressed as a goal of having a straightforward understanding of each patient problem and the ability to apply a solution resulting in a predictable outcome. As articulated by one participant, I will know I'm an expert when I see patients are getting better and I'm not confused about what the problem is. If I know what the problem is and I go, okay, this is generally what this is and this is what needs to be done, and they get better over the expected timeline, then I'd be okay. I did the right thing as a physio. Participant number two. As expressed in this quotation, when in this mindset, participants often describe the importance of standardization of care and predictable outcomes of treatment as a marker for expertise. Moreover, characteristic of the mindset of routine expertise, they describe their increasing accuracy of diagnosis and understanding of disease as a byproduct of knowledge acquisition. A further characteristic of expert clinical reasoning described by participants was a reduction of cognitive resources needed to arrive at decisions based on recurrent patterns observed over the expert's career. After a certain point and you've seen everything at least a hundred times, maybe there's less cognitive, maybe your brain is working a little less in overdrive than it is right now. Participant number five. While the descriptions above focus on the value of structure and knowledge acquisition in expertise development consistent with routine expertise, Participants also demonstrated adaptive perspectives towards solving problems in clinical practice. 
if you cannot switch gears, then I do not know if you can be an expert. I think you have to be open. It goes back to that openness of when things change and you need to be willing to roll with the punches and just be able to adapt because experts adapt. Participant number one. When in this adaptive expert mindset, the participants noted the value in being able to consider multiple perspectives in their problem solving. Elaborating further, they described how broader considerations such as context and setting impacted the relationship between clinician and client. So having more of a systems-based approach to looking at a problem and then coming into the program and refining that system's context to physiotherapy, now it's like, okay, how are my actions influencing the patient? How is the patient's environment influencing their actions? Participant number seven. Appreciating the complexity of multiple variables, the participants also conceptualized a dynamic and nuanced future practice as a result of identifying, reflecting on, and responding to changing environments in order to provide expert-level care. I think as an expert, things are always evolving, and it's more about how you adjust to those changing situations and how you can adapt to those and learn from each interaction that you have. And that just builds your competency level when you're becoming an expert. Because I think part of being an expert is being able to recognize when a situation is changing and how to adapt to that. Participant number 10. Again, these apparently contrasting perspectives of expertise as simply knowing all the answers and expertise as having to adapt to situations constantly were often expressed interchangeably within the discussion within a given participant in ways that suggested participants' understanding of expertise was somewhat mutable and evolving as elaborated more fully below. Section 3.2, Optimizing the Use of Human Resources. How recently graduated physical therapists utilize the available human resources to address their own limitations in patient management also revealed a transitional perspective on expertise. The knowledge-based construct of a routine expert was reflected in their descriptions of the value of a network of colleagues to which they would refer once the limits of perceived knowledge were reached. Because you always want to go in and have the answer, but you're not always going to have the answer all the time. And I think that being able to refer and having that comfort of not knowing is really important as an expert. Participant number 14. While this quotation nicely expressed the need for humility and recognizing one's limits, the value of other colleagues was exclusively related to sending the patient on to others rather than using colleagues as an opportunity for learning. When in this mindset, learning from others tended to focus on obtaining mentorship from senior physical therapy colleagues to enhance knowledge acquisition. By contrast, participants sometimes expressed a more adaptive expertise framing, describing the value of colleagues who might have very different perspectives as enabling the co-creation of knowledge and supporting the stretching of one's own viewpoints with regards to patient care. Especially as a white male, for me to be able to learn from a white female her perspective, and then at the health center, I was able to learn from an indigenous woman. She wasn't a physio, but I was able to sit down and have a two-hour conversation with her on how to best deal with indigenous health. I think having those two perspectives is super important because if I only get one of those two perspectives, I'm missing an important component. Participant number one. Section 3.3, developing one's expertise. When participants talked about the sort of expert they wanted to become and what it would take to achieve this goal, the focus was on the importance of learning. However, several of their definitions of expertise align more with the construct of routine expert, a focus on knowledge acquisition and proficiency within the boundaries of their domain. The accumulation of information and the development of practice routines was characteristic of these responses. 
When in this mindset, participants often acknowledge the importance of formal continuing professional development, but tended to describe the value of this sort of formal learning as keeping up with new developments in practice, the further acquisition of fixed knowledge and skills. When I think about an expert physio, I think about someone who's been working for 20 years or so that like, they've seen numerous conditions. So anyone would walk in, they'd feel comfortable treating, and someone who's taken a lot of postgrad courses so they'd have extensive knowledge in whichever field they chose to go into. Participant number three. However, participants also acknowledge the limitations of simple accrual of experience and skills. They described attributes of learning that were relevant to adaptive expertise development, such as the value of intentional reflection on practice. I think a lot of reflection would be beneficial to be able to develop because you can have all the clinical experience in the world but if you do not take that moment or however long to step back and just process what you've seen beyond just writing your chart note, I feel you can extract more information that contributes to those nuances. Participant number seven. Also noted was the ability to recognize moments of discomfort and leveraging these moments to question one's perspective with the goal of advancing understanding and maintaining a creative approach to practice. But I guess the way that I'm thinking of it is again, just staying open and curious and questioning yourself. Because I think if you do not question yourself and what you know, then how are you going to really move forward? Participant number eight. Section 3.4, learning from the interview. During the data collection and analysis, we also noted a recurrent theme in participant reflections. While we initially hypothesized the influence of clinical experience on the development of an adaptive expertise mindset, as we explored what expertise meant to each study participant, we noted a refinement of the responses that frequently occurred during the interview. Consistent with this observation, although we had not specifically probed this issue, participants regularly commented spontaneously on the new ideas or understandings of expertise that arose by their undergoing the process of the interview itself. As one participant described this experience, it was good. It actually helped me reflect a bit on what I thought was expertise, and I did not necessarily know where I was going. I'm not sure if I would have been able, at the beginning of the interview, say expertise is a never-ending process. It's not a fixed point. I'm not sure if I would have realized that without sort of walking through this. Participant number five. Thus, it appears that the interview process functioned as a form of guided reflection, with the interview probes evoking reflections about expertise that did not appear to have happened spontaneously for participants in their training or early clinical experiences. Section four, discussion. Adaptive expertise has been identified as an important attribute for clinical excellence, and literature reviews have identified many of the individual and environmental factors that distinguish adaptive expertise from routine expertise. This has led to a number of calls in the literature for the incorporation of teaching of approaches for supporting adaptive expertise into health professional education. Some authors have begun articulating educational principles for promoting the acquisition of adaptive expertise in the health professions. However, there are still few studies exploring how adaptive expertise is understood by clinicians and enacted in clinical practice, nor when it typically develops as a mindset in clinicians and what enables this development. Our participants, who are recently graduate physical therapists just entering practice, appear to be expressing concepts that sometimes align with routine expertise and sometimes align with adaptive expertise. This was true not only for their clinical problem solving and collaborative practices, but also for their approach to learning and further development of expertise. Interestingly, Hatano and Inagaki originally postulated that expertise is best manifested as a balance of routine and adaptive approaches, taking advantage of efficiencies when possible, but staying alert to the limits of these efficiencies and innovating when needed. Our participants, however, 
seem not to be framing the two conceptions of expertise as complementary, strategically invoking each perspective when appropriate. Rather, they appear to be alternating between the two positions, sometimes responding from a routine expertise perspective and at other times from an adaptive expertise perspective. In this sense, they appear to be in a transitional state, discovering the limits of their routine expertise mindset and evolving an understanding of the adaptive expertise mindset even as they were expressing these ideas in the interview. This notion that the adoption of an adaptive expertise framing of clinical excellence involves a conceptual transition has been expressed previously in the health profession's education literature. Kawamura et al., for example, described the importance of shifts in understanding as pediatric residents develop adaptive expertise in communication with patients' parents. Similarly, based on their scoping review of adaptive expertise in the health profession's education, Kwa et al. concluded the possession of certain beliefs and attitudes towards expertise development plays an important role in predisposing one to achieving adaptive expertise. These descriptions, along with our own data, suggest the possibility that adaptive expertise might be best understood as a threshold concept. Meyer and Land describe a threshold concept as a transformative shift in interpretation that leads to previously inaccessible understanding of the world. They suggest that these transformative shifts are often liminal in nature, whereby an individual will oscillate between the newly discovered and previously held conceptual states. However, the process by which these transformative shifts in thinking are initiated and supported is not well understood. As Meyer and Land point out, within educational settings, a learner may be unable to achieve the new understanding because of epistemological obstacles that block the transformation. In health professions education, these obstacles might have both structural and conceptual aspects. Structurally, for example, Mylopoulos et al. have suggested that assessments and health professions training programs tend to be retrospective, emphasizing the application of previously learned knowledge rather than preparation for future learning. At a conceptual level, Ilgen et al. have argued that models for teaching clinical reasoning, which tend to center around diagnosis, may implicitly lead students to believe that not knowing precludes taking action, while knowing provides license for unwavering certitude when moving forward. These are just two examples of the myriad of epistemological obstacles that health professions education programs might inadvertently present to students, thereby undermining any localized efforts by individual teachers to invoke educational techniques to support students' transformations to an adaptive expertise framing of excellent clinical practice. Because such obstacles are endemic and deeply entrenched in our educational systems, it may be that it's only when the healthcare learners become truly responsible for patient care in the naturalistic setting that the conditions for fully appreciating the need for adaptive expertise are realized. This might explain why it was in residency, not clerkship, that medical learners began this transformation and why our recent graduates were in the transition state we observed. This is not to suggest that there is no role for training programs in the development of adaptive expertise. Phrases and material presented during training, such as continuing professional development, approaches to practice, and learning not just with and about, but from other healthcare professionals, may well be important in providing a language through which students can reflect on their new clinical experiences. 
Meyer and Land suggest that even if students are stuck and unable to make the transformation from a knowledge-based and routine approach to a more adaptive response at the time, they are likely to enact a form of mimicry of language and behaviors that resemble elements of an adaptive expert. According to Meyer and Land, such mimicry is not merely a surface attempt to reproduce the material, but represents an attempt at understanding or even the achievement of a limited understanding of the underlying concepts. In this sense, although the training program itself might not be sufficient to invoke the threshold concept of adaptive expertise, it may well prepare students for the acquisition of the concept when the conditions are right. Finally, our participants strongly suggested that the interview itself had a catalytic effect for many in involving their understanding of adaptive expertise as an approach to clinical practice. Consistent with this emerging finding, research demonstrates that simply having experiences with patients may not result in conceptual breakthroughs or understandings. Rather, reflection, defined as the process of engaging the self in attentive, critical, exploratory, and iterative interactions with one's thoughts, actions, and their underlying conceptual frame with a view to changing them, is now understood to be an important factor in conceptual growth. Moreover, research suggests that guided reflection can offer a supportive infrastructure to cross the threshold into the adaptive mindset. It appears that participating in our semi-structured probing interview may have served this purpose. This suggests the importance for creating spaces for guided and challenging reflection about these issues in the context of health professions training programs. However, given the possibility that the clinical conditions for the transition to an adaptive expertise mindset might not exist until immersion in full clinical practice for some professions, our findings, in combination with the literature on reflection, suggest that continuing professional development programs may also need to shift from a model of exclusively delivering more information to a model that includes support in guided reflection around critical concepts such as approach to practice, the marrying of conceptual ideas to existing knowledge, guided discovery and iterative problem solving, and metacognitive instruction to further refine the skills of a master adaptive learner. Section 4.1 Limitations Our findings and interpretations of the data must be framed in light of our methodological decisions. For example, all our participants were graduates of a single two-year graduate physical therapy program. Therefore, we would urge caution in extrapolating these results to graduates from other professional programs and suggest additional studies are needed to determine whether our findings would replicate in other professions and physical therapy programs in other countries where program length and level of patient ownership may vary. In addition, because we chose to interview participants who had already graduated and started practice, we cannot know whether these interviews might have been able to create the conditions for transforming formative thinking during the training period. This deserves further study to explore what responses might be from learners at various stages of their academic program. Section 4.2 Implications Acknowledging these potential limitations of transferability, this work offers some possible implications for health professions training programs that wish to support the development of an adaptive expertise mindset in their learners. First, our work suggests it will be important to create educational and clinical challenges that invoke in students the liminal state that might challenge their current conceptions of expertise and to provide the educational space and conditions for guided reflection to support their evolving understanding when they are grappling with these conceptual challenges. The transitional state in which recently graduated physical therapists begin the early career suggests diversity in the development of the adaptive expertise mindset among students prior to graduating. The importance of not only challenging learners to explore the boundaries of their knowledge, 
but also of including a supportive infrastructure to enrich and guide a reflective process are essential elements fostering the conditions to prepare for future learning. To this end, invoking a permissive approach in which students can struggle and fail with a safe context paired with a cultivation of a long-term approach to learning can assist in offering the necessary challenges that allow students a pathway to their thresholds of learning. Complementing this non-intuitive state, educators have the opportunity to amplify the integration of the experience by immediate and direct feedback. By including questions of inquiry that explore the why and what if of various scenarios, the supportive development of conceptual knowledge with the introduction of meaningful variations can help reinforce cognitive integration. Second, our findings suggest that it will be important to address the epistemological obstacles within educational programs that might undermine the development of an adaptive expertise approach. For example, assessment methods can serve as a barrier to the successful integration of adaptive expertise in curriculum. Currently, there is a paucity of evidence regarding the measurement of adaptive expertise as the construct of expertise is variable between domains, making generalization difficult. The current assessment tools for evaluating the preparation for future learning, a measure of adaptive expertise, are still in their infancy. However, as suggested by Quiet All, educators might consider an assessment based on learners' approach to complexity and how knowledge transfer reflects an adaptive response. Approaches to instruction may also serve as an epistemological barrier to learners acquiring the threshold concept of adaptive expertise. If we are to train adaptive clinicians, we must develop adaptive educators, sharing attributes of a growth mindset, authenticity, resilience, trustworthiness, tolerance for ambiguity, expertise, humility, and honesty may serve as important examples of knowledge integration. Utilizing a routinized and rigid educational approach to the development of adaptive expertise may restrict the very intention of what is hoped to be achieved. An adaptive approach to instruction can be facilitated through various means such as role modeling, diverse methods of prompting learning and feedback, and supporting curiosity as well as a focus towards coaching and emphasizing how each learner needs to learn or how they think. Finally, there may be value in acknowledging that in spite of the institutional interest and the curricular design, the development of adaptive expert characteristics may not be evident upon graduation. Thus, within the frameworks of the curriculum, the goal of educators might be better framed as preparing for the development of future experts. Emphasizing the importance of how basic clinical science knowledge integrates with clinical practice and supporting opportunities for learners to experience deeper learning through the struggles of novel and innovative solutions, it may be possible to situate new graduates in a position that allows them to cross that threshold rapidly once they enter clinical practice. Acknowledgement. Financial support of this work was provided in the form of salary support to Edwin Bettnell through the University of British Columbia Center for Health Education Scholarship Clinical Educator Fellowship. Conflict of interest. The authors have no conflicts of interest related to this paper. Ethics statement. This study received ethical approval from the UBC Behavioral Research Ethics Board, protocol number H2002768. 
author contributions. Edwin Bettinel contributed to the conceptualization of the study, collected the data, and reviewed transcripts for accuracy, contributed to the analysis and interpretation of the data, and contributed to the production of the manuscript. He has provided final approval of the submitted manuscript and agrees to be accountable for all aspects of the work, ensuring that questions related to the accuracy or integrity of any part of the works are appropriately investigated and resolved. Sue Murphy contributed to the conceptualization of the study, contributed to analysis and interpretation of the data, and contributed to production of the manuscript. She has provided final approval of the submitted manuscript and agrees to be accountable for all aspects of the work, ensuring that questions related to the accuracy or integrity of any part of the works are appropriately investigated and resolved. Glenn Regeer contributed to the conceptualization of the study, contributed to the analysis and interpretation of the data, and contributed to the production of the manuscript. He has provided final approval of the submitted manuscript and agrees to be accountable for all aspects of the work and ensuring that questions related to the accuracy or integrity of any part of the work are appropriately investigated and resolved.